Since the beginning of civilization, strange events have left people questioning what is real and what is sheer coincidence. From hidden history and conspiracy theories to ghost stories and demonic encounters, follow us on our journey to uncover the truth and bring a light to the darkness. Welcome to the seventh layer. Do you believe? we've talked so much like what pre-conversation do we have there's not really much to say i got a snickers beautiful (laughs) i have this little thing of jelly that was in my car for a while Mm. i've got water Um, i do too do you have how you staying hydrated i have water that doesn't taste very good Mm. remember that one time i got dehydrated and thought i was possessed no (laughs) There, I thought I told you about this. I got, I was working at that old theater, and I was like, every single time I'd walk into that building, I'd get a horrible headache, and I'd feel achy and everything. It was really weird. I was like, I think there's something wrong with this. And so I looked it up, and the building was haunted. So I thought I had an attachment. Turned out, I was severely dehydrated. Oh! Oh, I remember this! Okay. Yeah, I, I felt like I had this. the flu for like a week, and it was awful. I remember that. I remember you telling me about that, and I was like, that's not good. No, it's not. I ended up being fine. I might have had something happening there, but um, because the place was haunted. Let me introduce us, and we'll be good to go. Hello, guys, and welcome to the seventh layer. We are your hosts, Fiona and Emma. How you doing, Emma? Hey, how's it going? I am just thriving. Christmas will have passed. Christmas will have passed. Um, Christmas will have passed. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what to say about it yet. Uh, I bet it'll be fun. Like kind of low key, but fun. How do you think? I hope future us had a good Christmas. Me too. I hope all of our listeners had a good Christmas. We should have a little thing, in like segment right there where we both record. And we're just like past us. It was like, this is how it went or something. Whenever we have Christmas, we're like, yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, wow, I hope we had a good Christmas. We both say, it was awful, it was horrible, <laughs> everything was a nightmare. It was a crap show. <laughs> it, it was terrible, my tree burned down, my dog <laughs> ran away. I don't have a dog. I don't have a dog either. <laughs> Our cats <laughs> ran away. <laughs> Our cats ran away. <laughs> Where am I? Where am I? <laughs> no. Where? Oh, it's up there. I can't hear you I'm so sorry. I lost the recording. I couldn't Hit, find where it showed click, my you audio click recording. recording. Click recording under voice jam. <laughs> or like No, my I record through face through uh Oh QuickTime. QuickTime. I couldn't find the thing that was recording my audio for a second because it wasn't in the right spot. I was like, no, no, it's gone. It's lost forever. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Are we ready for a fun topic? I'm I'm so ready for what you have to say today. Oh my gosh. So, I knew I wanted to do this topic, and I think it's perfect for the winter. I, for context, went back to the Bigfoot Museum yesterday, which was, like, the 17th. So, like, at this point, it'll have been two weeks, a week ago. I don't even know. I can't do math. But I went back to the Bigfoot Museum, which is, like, my favorite place ever. And I already had the notes for this pulled up because I was already going to do the research. And I was like, I want to do this. So today, we are talking about the one and only Abominable Snowman, <gasps> a.k.a. the Yeti. Yes. Dude, I didn't know where going you back were going to- with that. 
Ooh, I, I don't know it. how I didn't I, know where you were going with that. When you mentioned Bigfoot, I was like, what on earth could she possibly be talking about? Winter and Bigfoot. Understandable. Uh, so, yes, I am doing two cryptid episodes in a row, but I just, you know, by this point, the winter solstice will have already happened by last week's episode, but, mm-hmm. like, the winter solstice, it's, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be officially winter, and you know what? It seemed fitting. And I'm also inspired because, as I mentioned in last week's episode, and I mean, like, the one we just recorded. Yes. I was talking about Josh Gates' uh, memoir of a monster hunter, and he used to be on the show or host a show called Destination Truth. You have to, like, buy it. So I'm about to buy season two once I finish season one on iTunes because I bought that season. Um, it used to be on Netflix, and I watched it all the time. It's like, like, it's the best concept because they went monster hunting and ghost hunting. And I feel like there aren't really any shows like that anymore besides maybe Expedition X, which is this, like, sideshow from Expedition Unknown, and it's, like, two people. Anyway, so there was an episode where he, in Destination Truth where he went and hunted for the Yeti, and they found this footprint. And it was, like, a big deal when they found this footprint. They casted it. It was all over like local news in that area and he ended up donating the cast to disney and expedition yeah expedition everest if you're in the line waiting to go because he mentions this in the book if you're in the line waiting to go on like on the ride i think they have like a little museum spot and his cast is in there which i'm so mad because i went on that ride and waited in that line four years ago but didn't even think about it at that time Dang. I was a senior in high school, and that's, I don't know. But they have a replica of the cast at the Bigfoot Museum. So Nice. I vaguely remember seeing something recently online where, actually, I saw a couple things. Somebody, uh, I might be confusing a few different videos, but I thought that I saw a video of somebody who was, like, mountain climbing, like, in some snowy mountain area. I don't remember where. And they showed a video of what looked like a this giant thing walking across the top of this mountain and they were like this is freaking abominable snowman i was like i'm not sure about that but it could be believable let's if i find the video i'll send it to you but see this is a topic for another episode but there are also like beliefs in nephilim giants which there was another video i saw with oh my gosh i have a whole thing planned for the nephilim oh i'm so glad because if you weren't gonna do it i was gonna do it like they have to be talked about at some point like I just... am I am on top of the Nephilim right now. See, I tried to Google it. Don't read into that. And <laughs> that's <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a, that took me a second. I was like, wait. <laughs> I didn't even think like that until you said don't look into it. I was like, wait. <laughs> don't don't read into that. It's don't. Okay. <laughs> It's Lucifer all over again. No. Oh, no. <laughs> I have the meme ready. <laughs> no. <laughs> but um get back on topic. Get back on topic. <laughs> run away from this part of this. Oh my gosh. The Yeti. Okay. <laughs> it's too late for this. Um so I a lot of these notes, I do have sources for this cuz it's the history major in me. These notes will come from How Stuff Works and History Extra, and then when I get into different explorers and expeditions, I'm going to read straight from articles, so I'll tell you which articles they are as we get to those. So, so no plagiarism. Um, I mean, 
I'm citing. I try to cite my stuff, but then I forget to do it. So I usually just like put down the website next to wherever I'm typing. If I'm reading word for word, which is kind of what I'm doing um, from these articles that I definitely want to like preface first where I got them so no one gets mad at me. Good idea. So what is the Yeti? First off, we really need to talk about that. So as I said, it is referred to as the abominable snowman and it is a legendary creature from Himalayan folklore. And this uh, mythical being is said to inhabit the remote snow-covered regions of the mountains, particularly in Nepal and Tibet. So the Yeti is often depicted as a large and hairy humanoid creature, similar in appearance to an ape or a large upright bear. Its physical characteristics can vary slightly across different accounts and artistic representations, but some common features include a robust and muscular build, shaggy fur that helps it blend into its snowy habitat, and a height ranging from around six to nine feet tall. Now, I did see, um, so one part of the Bigfoot Museum is like the research corner because it is also an active research and reporting center, And but they have like slideshows going and stuff, and one slide was talking about the Yeti, and that is actually more common for it to be brown, even though it's usually depicted as white because it is a snowy background, but they can also be brown. So Maybe um, it's like, what if there's just like snow all over it? Like if it's actually a Bigfoot and it's just covered in snow. Could. Because like, you know, if you see like pictures of like mountain climbers and like they've got fur-lined coats or whatever and there's snow all over the coats and it makes it look white. It could. See, okay, I want to do an episode on Bigfoot exclusively, but there are so many, Bigfoot's kind of an umbrella term, but also not at the same time, uh, because for those of you who don't know, besides Mothman, Bigfoot's like my favorite cryptid. Bigfoot and Mothman are like top on my list, but Bigfoot, like different countries and even different states will have different types. Florida's got the skunk ape. Australia has the Yowie. China has the Yaren. Uh, the Himalayans, Nepal, Tibet have the Yeti, but then also you just have like Bigfoot in general, which is typically what's referred to in the United States. But as I said, different states will have different types of Bigfoot, which again, whenever I do the Bigfoot episode, that will be like, I'll cover more of that, but it's also kind of good context for this. So I'm covering the Yeti specifically, which can be white, but also brown and just, I mean, it blends into the snow. Mm-hmm. So. I know a lot about Bigfoot. I was obsessed with finding Bigfoot as a kid, so, like, way too obsessed. I, I like, and middle still. school me, <laughs> yeah, I mean, bi- middle school me, God, do I even want to reveal this? It's kind of embarrassing. Do it. I had a poster in my locker, or it was, like, a printed piece of paper that had Bigfoot, a picture of Bigfoot, and said, I believe, and it was in my locker, and, like, I firmly believed in Bigfoot. I was scared to walk through, like into my hallway with the lights off because I thought Bigfoot was in my woods, which, okay, the Bigfoot Museum has a map of Georgia, and it will have green pins for where people have seen a distinguishable, like, a creature distinguishable from a bear or other creature. It is an unknown creature, and they could distinguish that it was different. Hmm. Then there's yellow, where it's, like, kind of distinguishable, and then red, where it's, like, said to have been, or, like, they heard stuff. I don't remember what the other two are. I just remember green was there. And, like, around kind of where I live and around where one of my friends lives, there are green markers. And in this other part of my county, there are green markers. And I'm like, where in this county? Unless it's, like, forever ago. But, um, yeah. And with this growing economy and growing just houses and stuff, like, it's going to be less and less places for it to hide. Where was I going with that? Oh, Finding Bigfoot. But, yeah, I was, like, obsessed and, like, thought – 
Bigfoot was like in my backyard and like firmly believed in Bigfoot. And then that kind of died. And now I like, I believe in the possibility. It's like with any other creature. I believe that there is a possibility it exists. Like there's so much, even of the United States, like in Alaska and stuff that like we can't get to. And like even in other countries, there are places that we just can't get to, especially in like forests and stuff. And there could be anything in there. Mm-hmm. So I definitely believe in the possibility. I would love to go on a Bigfoot hunt one day and like, um, like hunt for like monsters and stuff. Like I want an experience, but also like everyone who has one is just terrified out of their minds, which I guess is kind of like ghosts. Yeah. So the Yeti is um, allegedly has a broad forehead, a short and wide nose, and a pronounced brow ridge. Some accounts portrayed the abominable snowman as half human, half giant ape. Others depict it as a sort of man-bear-snowman hybrid. Hmm. Its arms are said to be long and powerful, often reaching down to its knees. The Yeti's appearance reflects its adaptation to surviving in harsh mountain environments, where its fur would help insulate against the cold and its robust build would aid in navigating rugged terrain. Uh, The word Yeti itself is derived from a um, Tibetan... Tibetan. 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 Yeah, that <laughs> uh, term. Tibetan. <laughs> Tibetan. I don't even know. Uh, which translates to rocky bear or bear-like in English. So now we're going to get into where did the myths come from? Myths of the Yeti stem from the cultural fra- fabric of the Himalayas, blending beliefs, traditions, and encounters with the natural world. Local beliefs in guardian spirits and deities inhabiting the mountains intertwined with oral storytelling traditions wait local beliefs in intertwined okay with oral storytelling traditions allowing the myths to evolve over generations the region's diverse religions including buddhism and hinduism added layers of spiritual significance harsh landscapes and wildlife interactions inspired stories to explain nature's mysteries cultural exchange along historical trade routes introduced new ideas together all these uh factors contributed to the tibetan type Tibetan, Tibetan. Uh, legend we know as the Yeti, which represented the unknown and, ch- and the challenges of mountain life. Additionally, Western explorers and adventurers who began visiting the Himalayan mountains in the 19th and early 20th centuries further popularized the idea of the Yeti through their writings and accounts of the region. These accounts reached the glo- a global audience and contributed to the international fascination with the Yeti. So, there is a chance that it could be bears. Some researchers and experts in cryptozoology propose that sightings and stories of the Yeti could be attributed to bear encounters. Uh, So first we have polar bears. While polar bears are not native to the Himalayan region, there have been suggestions that rare occurrences of polar bears drifting far south on ice flows might explain some reports of Yeti sightings. However, due to the significant geographic distance between the polar bear's natural habitat and the Himalayans, as well as the logistical challenges of such long-distance migration, this seems unlikely. So polar bears, out of the question. Brown bears. I was wondering about that. Well, see, I was looking up pictures of the Yeti sightings, and there was one picture that I saw um, that was like, that kind of looks like a polar bear, but also it's like, it's like right next to some trees, and I can't tell if either the... So, yeah, it just it looks like a polar bear, but it looks like it's huge. Mm-hmm. I just... Like, if, I, if you Google Yeti sightings, it's, like, the first thing. I don't think it could be a polar bear with just how, like, a, like it said, where polar bears usually live and where the Himalayans are. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a difference. 
Uh, brown bears. There is the Himalayan brown bear, closely related to the Emma. How do you pronounce it again? Tibetan. Tibetan. Thank you. The Tibetan <laughs> blue bear is known for its what? Yeah, there's a Tibetan blue bear. But we're talking so. about the Himalayan brown bear. Um, is known for its shaggy reddish brown fur and its um, adaptation to high altitude environments. It's conceivable that observations of these brown bears, combined with the challenging conditions of the mountainous region or terrain, excuse me, could have contributed to the creation of the Yeti legend. For example, distant sightings of a bear standing on its back legs, which bears occasionally do, could have been interpreted as a human-like figure by those unfamiliar with the species. Over time, stories of encounters with the Himalayan bear might have distorted or merged with local folklore to create the larger-than-life image of the Yeti. While the existence of the Yeti remains unproven, it's an intriguing example of how nature, culture, and myth can intersect to shape legends. I want to look up what a Himalayan bear looks like. Himalay... Himalayan cat? Oh my god, Have you? So I was looking at pictures of the <laughs> Tibetan blue bear and i was like that looks a lot like a sun bear they're not the same thing um sun bears are also uh asiatic black bears or asiatic bears and then i'm looking at this picture of an asian black bear next to an american black bear and the asian black bear looks like a poorly drawn picture of a bear (laughs) i'm gonna be honest it doesn't look correct Some of these bears look like they've just been through it. Yeah. Um, I love bears. Yeah. I don't get... It makes me so mad that bears look so cute, and yet they can kill you in an instant. This is such a dumb-looking bear! (laughs) I feel so bad, but I need to show you this picture! Oh my gosh, hold on. Have you seen the picture of the bear that emerged from its den and just looks rough? Because also that's me when I wake up in the morning. And that's gonna, going to be me. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, Why does okay. it look like that? But also it's so sad seeing all the trash around it. <laughs> but it oh my is. gosh! Emma, <laughs> I, do, I, okay. I don't think the Yeti looks like that. I if the Yeti looked like that, <laughs> no. I oh my god, I would run up to it like oh my gosh, it's a baby, and then immediately die. Why I'm friend shaped if not friend? One. It makes me exactly. So... There is this other one. Oh, <laughs> stop it! <laughs> it looks. I don't know so why it derpy. looks like that. Its eyes are so. <laughs> Unnecessarily small. Oh my god. It Emma! Shouldn't. It shouldn't. <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. The pictures I'm sending right now will be going on the website. Oh my god, Emma. That's the Himalayan black bear. That, oh my god. The, the, Himalayan the, the, brown the side-by-side one, the versus one, uh, the one on the left is an American black bear, and the one on the right is an Asian black bear. And then the two bears surrounded by trash is the uh, Himalayan black bear. Or I think it's, it's Himalayan or black or brown bear. I don't remember. They just... All right. Also, oh my god. These that, poor bears. <laughs> that 
bear just sitting like that? Hold on. Their faces are so small. I sent one. Oh my gosh! Like when they sit like that. Oh, that made me so sad. Oh, I regret the looking at that. The videos of the photo. Russian guys <laughs> with the grizzly bears. And the bears are just like big dogs. I think there's a story. Oh, that makes me sad. I'm hitting a hunter's. Hunter photos. Oh, I'm going to actually be sick. This is awful. This is... I've I've reached the sad part of... Oh, no. God. Now I'm sad. Um, we've, now we're just looking at bears. <laughs> I just... Okay. Okay. Here's an image. Okay. I found one that's relevant. I did find one that's relevant. Here's a Himalayan brown bear standing upright in a field. And I... Mm. If you're far away... See, its arms still don't reach to its knees. Like it says, the Yeti does. And yeah. it's ape-like. See, whenever I, like, I had this idea, and I don't know if I've had thought this before, but, like, at least just now. Is it possible, and I feel like this might be a bit far-fetched, but is it possible that there are actual, like, apes? Or not necessarily apes, but, like, gorillas, maybe? Like, because, like, in the woods, or forests, or whatever... Like, in warmer climates, I guess, is more likely. Because, like, I... it's not unusual for an animal that is typically considered for living in one temperature to live in a completely different temperature. Like, New Zealand penguins. Yeah. And then there are some, there are bears that live in warm climates and bears that live in cold climates. There are, and you hear about, like, different tigers and stuff. Ones that live in, like, really hot temperatures, like in, like in savannas. And then Siberian tigers that live in the oh. cold. And it's just, like... Is it possible that maybe there's just a breed, like, it's not necessarily a cryptid, there's an actual species of whatever the ape family is that's just really good at hiding? There, I mean, I think there could be, see, okay, I don't want to give too much away about Bigfoot because there's stuff I can say later on. I, let's save this conversation Mm -hmm. for Bigfoot. Okay. (laughs) I mean, it could go for the Yeti, which is a type of Bigfoot. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't know. I guess Sasquatch. Because I feel like reports of seeing any creature like a Sasquatch or a Yeti um, or Bigfoot or whatever tended to be more common longer, like, back in history. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I've noticed. Because, like, you see all these pictures of them and they all look older. Yeah. And maybe I'm just not paying much attention, but it seems like they become less and less frequent over time. I mean, I think you still get a decent amount, but it was definitely, like, back in the day. a lot. Like, you see it a lot of sightings way back in the day, and we're actually going to get into that with the Yeti and some of, like, its oldest reports. Mm. But even with Bigfoot, like, in the 1900s, I feel like they were a decent amount. So, speaking of reports... Ah, uh, that's the next topic. So, thank you for that transition, Emma. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, reports of Yeti sightings on Mount Everest and in the broader Himalayan region have been part of the legend of the blah, 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 blah. Yeti's legends are Yeti legends allure. However, it's important to note that these accounts are often anecdotal and lack concrete evidence, which I feel like is how it goes for a lot of sightings, like with Bigfoot. I feel like you can pick up a lot on someone's, like, body language. 
when they see stuff and like if they're absolutely terrified or if they're like oh yeah i saw this thing no i don't have proof i don't know uh many of the reported sightings have come from climbers trekkers and locals some accounts describe huge footprints in the snow that appear different from typical animal prints while others claim to have seen large hairy figures at a distance while some explorers have collected hair samples footprints and other yeti relics these items have often yielded inconclusive results upon scientific analysis Mm. as a result the yeti remains a cryptid in the eyes of the scientific community now there was a website actually i'm going to post in the discord yeti footprint casts and to show you uh wow there's a bigfootcast.com if that tells you anything uh wow okay i have a picture of josh gates holding his yeti oh yeah i have that photo too that one popped up if you do you want to post that one or do you want me to post that one uh i'm just gonna go ahead and whoa what did i do Ooh, I see. Oh, oh my gosh. Sorry. It um it has a picture of the replica at the Bigfoot Museum. Um and cuz I looked up Bigfoot cast. Oh, that's a different photo than the one I was going to use. Mm. Um I'm going to post the cuz I found a picture of the replica at the Bigfoot Museum that I go to. Oh, yeah, um, cuz I've taken a I've taken a selfie in front of it. Not a selfie. My dad actually took the photo. Oh, and there's the photo of it being gifted to um, Expedition Everest. Oh, nice. But as you... Oh, there's another one at the Bigfoot Museum. Um, that's just an example of some of the castings that have been seen. I'm trying to... See, there's another one from where... From the same Bigfoot Museum. See, there's a lot of pictures from the Bigfoot Museum that I go to. Look up Bigfoot casts for anyone listening, and you'll find so many. Um, so I have a website from... I See, as a history person, I hate not using scholarly sources, but when it comes to cryptid searching, uh, not, not that many scholarly sources out there. <laughs> kind of have to expand a little bit. Yeah. So this one is from, I guess it's this guy's website called Graham Hoyland. I don't really know what his page is exactly, but um, he has a top 10 Yeti and Abominable Snowman sightings. So he has top 10 sightings from him, some from his own personal experience, and he apparently has a Yeti book. And he's been on 30 or so trips to the Himalayas, and he's heard many tales of the Yeti from Sherpas, and they were clearly believers. Wow. Um, so... They have three different kinds of yetis that all range in size and environment. So the first and largest is the terrifying... Oh, sweet Jesus. Um, (laughs) What? Zute? It's D-Z-U. So Zute, um, who stands eight feet tall when he is on his back legs. However, he prefers to walk on all fours. He can kill a yak with one swipe of his claws. Oh. Bear? Maybe. Bear, potentially. My first thought is gorilla. But claw. Gorillas don't have claws, though. No, but it could kill you with one hit. Yeah, but do they get to eight feet tall? If you had a really... Hmm, Bears could. Bears could get to eight feet, I think. Let me look up. Okay, silver. Okay, wait, hold on a second. Largest... 
gorilla breed, pretty, which I'm pretty sure is silverback. Oh, eastern lowland gorilla. Height. Well, that's in Alaska. Wall standing. Oh my god. Ooh. Oh. What the? I found. So I looked up tallest bear on two legs, which is Kodiak bears in Alaska. They get to ten feet tall, on two legs, five feet on all fours, and then there's a funky looking video of a bear walking on two legs in New Jersey. So. Okay. Large. So the tallest. The largest breed of gorilla is the eastern lowland gorilla, and it um, adult males um, reach a height of six feet when standing on two legs, which is m- smaller than I thought. Okay. It's Tallest not telling me. recorded gorilla. How tall are they? Uh... Mm. Uh, this one. Okay, this is telling me in centimeters, and that's not what I Whoa. need. Yeah, this was six foot six. He was a silverback. The tallest gorilla recorded was six five silverback with an arm span of 2.7. There's, wow. See, I'm terrified of gorillas. Those things, they're they're horrifying. And they are much smaller than I thought they were. Okay, so Himalayan bears can get up to seven feet six inches, which is close to eight feet. Mm. So. Oh, now I'm wondering, wait, what, which... Okay, hold a second. The Himalayan brown bear. I'm got it now. Just for my own enrichment, I'm gonna look up. I had to Google what 230 centimeters was in feet for this. Oh, so fun fact: a large male polar bear will weigh up to 1,500 pounds and grow nearly grow to nearly 10 feet tall standing on its hind legs. Jesus. Females eight feet tall. Which is interesting. And I know that they're not nearly... It didn't say what color this one was. That's just one of the three kinds. Yeah, I was just thinking about the polar bears. Oh, there was a male shot in 1960 in Alaska that stood 12 feet tall. That's insane. Jesus. Yeah, I and I remember you, you said something about how it wasn't likely that a polar bear... Or it, it's possible, but not likely that a polar bear would be in the Himalayas. But I just wanted to look that up just to see how tall polar bears were. Because I know that polar bears are huge. Like, those things are... Those are some big dudes. So, the second type of uh, yeti is the smaller chuti or Thelma. A little reddish-colored child-sized creature... Who walks on two legs and has long arms. He is seen in the forest of Sikkim in Nepal. If I saw a child-sized creature, it? I think that's worse. What? How, how, uh, how'd you spell the name? Uh, C-H-U-T-H-E. So, Chuthi. I just want to look and see what it looks like. And I'm just getting restaurants. <laughs> oh. Uh, then there's also the Mete, who is most like a man and has orangey-red fur on his body. He attacks humans and is the one most often depicted on monastery wall paintings. Yet- Yete, or Yeti, is a mutation of his name. He looks most like the Tintin in Tibet Yeti. That's interesting. Um, so... Do you have any pictures just, of these? Because I'm not getting much. I don't. He didn't post pictures. Dang it. Um, I'm just gonna go through... I'm not going to go through all 10 because I still have at least two different explorers I want to talk about. Uh, three, technically. So I'm just going to go through the ones that sound the most interesting. One is Brian Houghton Hodgson, Nepal, 1830s. Mm. So 
way back in the day. That, yeah, that's a while back. Um, the earliest Western account of a wild man in the Himalayas dates from 1832 and is given by Brian Houghton Hodgson, the court of Nepal's first British resident and the first Englishman permitted to visit this forbidden land. Hodgson had to contend with the hotbed that was, and still is, Nepalese politics. He was particularly interested in the natural history and ethnography excuse me, of the region, and so his report carries some weight. He recorded that his native hunters had been frightened by a, quote, wild man, end quote. Religion has introduced the Bandar uh, monkey into the central region, where it seems to flourish half-domesticated in the neighborhood of temples in the populous valley of Nepal proper. This is still the case. My shooters were once alarmed in the Kachar by the apparition of a, quote, wild man, end quote, possibly an orang, yeah. but I doubt there... I'm sorry. I saw a really creepy picture of a monkey. I didn't like it. Continue. <laughs> yeah. um, but I doubt their accuracy. They mistook the creature for a Kako demon or Rakshas demons and fled from it instead of shooting it. It moved, they said, er- um, eric- erectly, was covered with long erectly dark hair. Erectly or erratically? Erectly. Oh. I don't... That's what he said. <laughs> Why is uh, that was co- the word? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, it was covered with long dark hair and had no tail. This one is interesting because it's from Pliny the Elder, circa 300 B.C. India. Wow. Because I had seen some stuff about Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, set to conquer Persia and India in 326 BC, penetrating nearly as far as Kashmir. He heard about strange wild men of the snows who were described as something like satyrs, the lustful Greek gods with the body of a man, but the horns, legs, and feet of an animal. Alexander demanded to have one of them brought to him, but the local villagers said the creature could not survive at low altitude. Later, Pliny the Elder wrote in his Naturalist Historia, Quote, in the land of the satyrs, in the mountains that lie to the east of India, live creatures that are extremely swift, as they can run on both four feet and on two. And uh, they have bodies like men, and because of their speed, can only be caught when they are ill or old. End quote. Um, I want to bring something up. And actually, this thought just evolved. Um, but so in the last episode, when we were discussing Krampus and St. Nicholas, we put it into perspective uh, when we found out that it was about 300 something bc so before jesus was around uh when saint nicholas was around when or actually not when saint nicholas was around when krampus was when his stories were starting so what year did you say uh 326 so 326 that is around the time that the krampus stories were starting (gasps) i'm wondering if sightings of whatever these creatures are (laughs) Are what sparked the Krampus stories. Because if you that look is... at pictures of Krampus, it looks weirdly similar. Like, obviously, there's the horns and everything, but that's probably because of the whole Norse god of hell thing. Or Norse god hell. Yeah. Um, It's just, and you said, you mentioned Alexander the Great, which this would have put these this particular sightings or these particular sightings, between the Old and the New Testament and the Bible, which puts you in a little bit more perspective with history and how long ago this was, which also technically isn't that long ago. Like, in the grand scheme of things, like, 2,500 years? Not even? Uh, I don't know. I, math was not my thing. No. It, was, it would have been, like, 23-something 
2400 years probably that's just insane to think about okay that was a little bit of a tangent but we can get back to it it's a good tangent (laughs) it's a good tangent thank you all right keep keep going the next interesting sighting is major lawrence waddle um or waddell northern india circa 1889 so this um this was the first sighting of Yeti footprints by a Westerner. Um, he was a professor of Tibetan culture and a professor. Close enough. <laughs> okay, I'm trying. You're trying. You're doing And a good. professor of chemistry, a surgeon, and an archaeologist, and he had roamed Ti- uh, Tibet in disguise. He is thought by some to be the real-life precursor of the film character Indiana Jones. One of his theories included a belief that the beginning of all civilization dated from the Aryan Sumerians, who were blonde Nordics with blue eyes. That is a common theory that the Sumerians are, like, the first. Um, These theories were later picked up by the German Nazis and led to their expedition to Tibet in 1938-39. While exploring exploring in northeast Sikkim in 1889, Waddell's party came across a set of large footprints which his servants said were made by the Yeti, a beast that was highly dangerous and fed on humans. Quote, some large footprints in the snow led across our track and away up to the higher peaks. They were alleged to be the trail of the hairy wild men who are believed to live amongst the eternal snows, along with the uh, mythical white lions whose roar is reputed to be heard during storms. The belief in these creatures is universal among Tibet- Tibetans. <laughs> My God, this word. Tibetan. However, Tibetan. You got it. Okay, amongst Tibetans. None, however, of the many Tibetans who I have interrogated on the subject ever give me an authentic case. On the most superficial investigation, it always resolved into something heard tell of. End quote. These so-called hairy wild men are evidently the great yellow snow bear, which is highly carnivorous and often kills yaks. Yet, although most of the Tibetans know this bear sufficiently to give it a wide berth, they live in such an atmosphere of superstition that they are always ready to find extraordinary and supernatural explanations of uncommon events. Wow. Those poor yaks. They're really... They're really getting it. <laughs> I know. They're, like, what? Are they okay? Um, I'm not going to go over the rest because one of them I'm literally about to talk about in... Let's see. I don't need that. I don't need that. Okay. So... This article is from, I just go all the way back up, Atlas Obscura, which I think I've used their stuff before. And it's called When Edmund Hillary Went in Search of the Yeti. This is this takes place in 1961. Ooh. So it does mention Eric Ship, Shipton, and I am actually going to copy some images. So. Ooh. Oh, wow. So, going in order of this article, because it is 1230 and my brain is shutting down. It needs a moment to process what I'm reading. September 9th, 1960, there's a guy, Desmond Doig, a mountaineer, journalist, and photographer for National Geographic and Life magazine. He's in Nepal. There's a festival going on honoring the Hindu god Indra, revered as the king of heaven. So, people are, like, dancing, disguised as dancing deities. In the midst of this... Doig spots a shaggy-haired woolen bamboo figure halfway between a man and an ape adorning the wall of a temple. He writes in a 1962 book, High in the Thin Cold Air, to the Nepali, quote, to the Nepali, they are Ban Manchuru, to our Sherpas and us, the figures represent the abominable snowman, end quote. 
Um, he hadn't traveled all the way to Nepali capital to honor Indra as part of the 1960 to 1961 Silver Hunt expedition led by Edmund Hillary, then the world's most famous mountaineer. Doik had come in search of a creature that, like a god, occupied the rarefied air between myth and reality. He had come in search of Nepal's abominable snowman. So in the 1950s and early 60s, backtracking a little bit, uh, the Western world was in the grip of Yeti mania because in 1951, the legendary mountaineer Eric Shipton had photographed what he believed to be Yeti tracks in northeastern Nepal, which is the photo I sent, which it's wild, honestly. Yeah. The following what year... What year did you say that these photos were from? Uh, 1951. 51, okay. Uh, the following year, Hillary himself encountered a scrap of skin covered in blue-black fur while climbing in the Cho-Oyu region of the Himalayas and was told by his Sherpa porters that the hair belonged to a yeti. Following two bloody world wars and indeed Hillary's earlier exploits, the vast majority of the globe was now known to Western audiences. The sections of the map reading, quote, here be monsters, end quote, were growing fewer and fewer, yet the appetite for undiscovered lands and unseen monsters had never been stronger. So popular was the Yeti legend that British uh, newspaper, the Daily Mail, which is still around today, launched its own expedition to Nepal in 1953. The trip cost the equivalent of $1.3 or $1.35 million dollars, in today's money, but ultimately failed to find any proof of the Yeti, all of which simply meant that in 1960, Yetis were still out there to be found. Uh, this article mentions the guy that I was reading the article from, Graham Hoyland, um, mountaineer and author of Yeti and Abominable History. Hmm. So he claims that the Yeti wasn't considered mythical in the early 60s, and he does point out or points to the Nepali government's official 1947 memo outlining the etiquette of a Yeti hunt. It stipulates that the search for Yetis required a permit and that the Yeti could not be killed except in self-defense. Fair enough. See, that goes in line with a thought that I didn't actually end up completing earlier. I just realized that I never got to this point in my thought about the whole species thing. Um, but it's like, what if, like, if it is a species that exists, like what your reports are saying, it could be endangered. And that's why there's not as many reports these days. Or seemingly not as many, report, as many reports. I don't do as much research on this as you probably do. There, let's see, someone told me just or the other day. it could be a day. sacred thing. Because, like, in India, you're not allowed to kill their cows. Because that's, I don't know, they worship them or something. Someone told me just the other, I think it was yesterday, that there's literally a country where they're considered endangered. And I don't remember what country. The Yetis? Uh, Bigfoot in general. Bigfoot. Or something. Something's considered endangered. Hmm. Because it would make sense. Because, like, if you rarely see them, because there are animals around today that are, I think an animal can be considered extinct even if there are some of them still alive. Because there was, like, some, there was some bird that was extinct or declared extinct and then somebody saw it. I was like, hey, this guy's still alive. So, like, if it's a similar situation with yetis or any of that type of creature, they could be really actually existing, but there's so few of them and in areas that not a lot of people go that, who knows? It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. This is a cool episode. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you like it. So that Edmund Hillary might set off in search of the abominable snowman then was not the wild conspiracy theory baiting story it would appear to be today. That he and Doig might actually encounter a wild yeti was considered a very real possibility at the time. 
It was in this spirit that the Hillary expedition set out into the Rolwalling Valley on the morning of September 10th, 1960. The valley selected... God, this sentence does not make sense. Uh, the valley selected because Sherpas had reported Yeti sightings in the area and because of its proximity to Mount Makalu, the world's fifth highest mountain, the, the nine-month expedition would go on to study the effects of long-term exposure to high altitudes on human fitness after the search for the Yeti was concluded. So there's, you know, scientific evidence and sci- or scientific experiments coming out of this too. Mm. Among those traveling on the dual-purpose expedition were Peter Mulgrew, Mulgrew and Wally Romains, who had accompanied Hillary on his 1955 to 1958 expedition to Antarctica. Uh, American space physiologist Dr. Tom Nevison and glaciologist Barry Bishop, both well-suited to measuring the effects of long-term altitude exposure, and Marlon Perkins, director of the Lincoln Park Zoo. Jeez, there's more people. They they wrote this thing weird. And Dr. Larry Swan, a self-described Himalayanist, hmm. whose expertise seemed ideal for a yeti hunt in other words this was a serious well-funded and professional expedition one backed by world book encyclopedia wow they got me at the american space physiologist because this is literally two years after nasa was created oh wow Mm -hmm. because it was naca before and now it's nasa i didn't know that that's cool yeah what did it stand for before oh gosh i should know this naca program Because I feel like I've heard about this before. It was the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics. Oh, I was thinking of a K, not a C. And now it's NASA because of Sputnik. So going back to the Yeti, the group would study local stories, tracks, and relics purported to be Yeti body parts in order to establish or disprove the legend. Our ambition, of course, was to capture a live snowman, right, Stoig? Hillary seemed more skeptical. I think there's precious little in civilization to appeal to a Yeti, Doig reports him as saying. So they had a lot of firepower. The armory included captured guns capable of firing tranquilizer darts, as well as rifles, shotguns, tear gas, pistols, and, quote, light arms. None of us particularly wanted to shoot one, wrote Doig, but we carried conventional rifles in self-defense, as most accounts of the Yeti describe it as being savage in the extreme. It's probably a good idea. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. It could try to punch you like that. those poor yaks. You don't want to end up like the yaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Though the closest they came to encountering a yeti was the strange footprints they found in the snow. Located 20 to 30 inches apart, Doig writes, the prints seem to be made, quote, by naked human feet, sizes 11 or even 15, brought across the instep, fallen arches, and a big toe that protruded inward, end quote. Hillary dismissed the prints as having been made by snow leopards or wolves and claimed, quote, I would like a lot more convincing proof, end quote. Yeah. So everyone else set to work documenting the tracks with sketchbooks and measuring tapes, taking photographs, and attempting to make clear plaster plaster of Paris cast, but it soon became clear that the prints were not made by a mysterious creature, but by the hot sun, which distended the tracks of much smaller, perfectly ordinary animals. With Yeti prints discredited, the only remaining, quote, proof came in the form of scraps of relics many locals seemed keen to sell at high prices, such as a, quote, Yeti hand stored at a monastery, but an analysis of a photograph revealed it to most likely be human hands strung by, strung together by wire. There are three Yeti scalps held at a local, held at local monasteries that were the hardest pieces of evidence to disprove. After much wrangling... 
Hillary was given permission to take one scalp abroad for one month to be examined by scientists in Paris, Chicago, and London. Hillary claims in an interview that, quote, I never believed in the existence of the snowman, end quote. And yet he is spending a lot of money to go on this expedition. Though he does say um, the scalp is hard to explain. It's a con- convincing sort of specimen. The local people regard it as a Yeti scalp and look upon it with respect. Eventually, the scientists agreed that the scalp was likely a fake, possibly constructed from the skin of a cera, um, a goat-like creature found in the Himalayas. So I'm going to send a picture of both of those, of the scalp and the hand that I mentioned earlier, and the goats. Looking at photos of snow leopard prints in, uh, like in the snow, and most of them are clearly paw prints, but there are a few of them that look strikingly similar to these footprints actually like the pictures you sent me before oh what is that it's not letting me send a picture of the goat so i give up this creepy they have a replica of a scalp at the bigfoot museum if hillary had always doubted the existence of the yeti why set off on a hunt at all ed douglas author of tenzing hero of everest and and Himalaya, A Human History, suggests that Hillary used the headline-grabbing Yeti hunt to get funding for the research portion of the expedition. Quote, the Yeti was a useful marketing tool, end quote, writes Douglas. Quote, I doubt Hillary really believed in it, except when he was talking to BR people, end quote. Um, Hoyland, who claims to have encountered a Yeti footprint in Bhutan, uh, believes otherwise. Quote, Hillary was a mountaineer, and any mountaineer will jump at the opportunity to go and hunt for a Yeti. I did too, end quote. So, whether Hillary's Yeti hunt was a public relations stunt or something more, not everyone was satisfied by the expedition's findings, which became as popular belief in the Yeti's existence began to fade. I have strokes reading this sometimes. <laughs> I hope we are wrong about the Yeti, Doig wrote in High in the Thin Cold Air. Whatever one may think of the legend, there, cer- there certainly is something in the High Himalayas to spark the description of a shaggy red monster walking un- or walking usually on two feet so that's that quote there's one more guy i would like to briefly mention because there's like a whole exhibit or like little spot for him in the bigfoot museum tom slick jr he was the son of oklahoma's famous oil tycoon who was obsessed with the yeti for years he sought Bigfoot in the Pacific Northwest, the eight-man orange uh, pandek of Sumatra, and the Loch Ness Monster of Scotland. He spent a fortune, literally, on these and other worldwide expeditions, which turned up little more than suspicious footprints and oddball sightings. He wrote in a letter in 1958, quote, I am with you in trying to make this thing a success, which could be of great importance to everybody. Get along good, good hunting, and catch the... <laughs> I can't say that word. This is a family-friendly... <laughs> Um, <laughs> family-friendly podcast. So he even once cooperated with the Yeti expedition by Sir Edmund Hillary, who we just talked about. Um, according to the book Tom Slick: The Search for the Yeti by Lauren Coleman, when the expedition failed to produce the abominable snowman, Hillary debunked the theory, but he never doubted Slick's faith in such a creature. Also, this is all from the Oklahoman, from an article from 1999. So. Mm. Uh, when, expre- when I expressed my modest doubts, he was completely unaffected and was obviously very determined in his beliefs. Hillary wrote of Slick in 1988. If it hadn't been for his premature death, then he might still be looking. Unfortunately, he did die at the age of 46 in a plane crash in Montana. 
which means the pursuit of the Yeti also died with him. Apparently, a movie came out. Uh, Tom Slick, Monster Hunter, starring Nicolas Cage. Oh. I don't know if it ever came out. I have several thoughts, but if you have a specifically, like, Sasquatch Bigfoot episode planned, I feel like they would be better to keep them for that, because most of my thoughts are just about the species. Because now my thoughts of it being a gorilla or a bear are, like, kind of out the window, just because of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But this is a very interesting topic, very engaging. I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. Like, I already knew I was going to enjoy it, because, (laughs) you know, Yeti, but, like, I... It, it it worked my brain more than I thought it was going to. I'm glad you liked it. I find Bigfoot, I've said this so many times, Bigfoot and Mothman are my two favorites. But, like, Bigfoot intrigues me in a different way than Mothman does. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not 100% sure in the belief of Mothman, but, like, I love the story. I love, you know, there's yeah. just so much to Mothman. But Bigfoot... There really is that possibility that he's out there. Like, I feel like there are sightings almost every day. And there's so many different kinds all over the world. Exactly. And I'd love to do, like, as the podcast goes on, different episodes on specific types. Like, I want to do, like, an umbrella. I probably should have done Bigfoot before I did the Yeti because it would have saved so much strife. (laughs) But, like, also, the Yeti was probably the easiest one to do because there's just so much to Bigfoot. I actually, I told Emma this. But I got this DVD, and it has all these, like, case files and stuff. And I haven't looked through it yet, but it includes the Yeti. So I can always jump back to it. I also, slightly off topic, I got this map. And it's a map of, like, the entire U.S. It's huge. And it has all of, like, the spooky places on it. And, like, all of the places. So, yeah. If you guys liked the video or liked the episode... Make sure to check out our others if you haven't already. I just love the Yeti, and I love Bigfoot so much. And I hope y'all enjoyed this episode, too. We've got more like this to come. Oh, yeah. 100%. My next episode, man, I am I am excited for that. There is so much more information on my topic than I thought there was. and I, It might be a bit of a longer episode, but we'll see what happens. I'm so excited. Um, so, yeah, make sure to follow us on Instagram at 7th Layer Podcast. Follow us on X at 7th Layer Pod and on TikTok at 7th.layer.pod. Email us with suggestions or whatever it may be, uh, 7th Layer Paranormal at gmail.com. Emma, where can you listen to us? You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and eventually we will have some stuff on YouTube. We're planning on going on some adventures, hopefully in the near future, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, go ahead and give us some ratings on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm not sure about the other places, but if you can give us a rating, do that. Share us with your friends and family. You can also donate to us. You can find the links to donate on our website or in our the bio of our Instagram and X. But we have basic donations. You can, you can donate to our GoFundMe. And we also have a Patreon. Which, if you subscribe to our to the lowest tier, which is a dollar a month, you get access to our Discord and any promo codes, discount codes, whatever we may have now or in the future, whenever you are listening to this, depending on what time. Uh, if you would like to see any images that we shared today, you can go to our website, the main page, click listen. 
scroll down and click episodes, you will see our archive and just click view media under that episode. If it says no media, there were just no pictures for it. But yeah, there should be photos up for this episode by the time it is out. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and follow us on whatever platform you are listening on. Share with your friends and family. Get the word out. We've got some really cool stuff happening in the future. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will see you next time. And thank you for visiting the 7th Layer. <laughs>